Hello, and welcome to Over My Head, a look back at Pop's past, presented to you by Los Lovely Boys. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast to get these episodes as they drop. If you rate and review us, it helps our algorithm on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and everywhere else, and everyone wins. The music for our podcast, as always, is provided to you by the artist Friend of Yours. This is a podcast where we will dissect all things pop from the recent past. Today, we are hoping to answer the all-important question, why did the song Hips Don't Lie by Shakira featuring Wyclef Jean pop? This is episode 20 of our show, and we actually have a special guest on our podcast today, um, Mr. Bernie Sanders, a.k.a. Chris, who is in Vermont right now. <laughs> I was He's like, the who's closest our guest? Thing we'll ever get to Bernie Sanders in our lives on this podcast. Oh. Chris, how is Vermont? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's pretty good. <laughs> I do feel a little like Bernie. I don't think it's bad to feel like Bernie Sanders uh, in in many things. Uh, Not at all. Well respected by people, and he gets to live in Vermont, which looks beautiful from what you've shown us so far. It, yeah, it is beautiful. There's a lot of mountains. Yeah, I didn't know. So, guys, today we so we don't have Bernie Sanders as a guest. Uh, that would be very, very out there and we could never pull that maybe in our lives i, I mean that. maybe if bernie sanders does listen by any chance or anyone knows him we'll take him on to to break down Hello, something bernie. um but yeah we have a true multilingual classic today that we're breaking down guys um and i was talking with chris real quick off air that i know i've said it before this is the best song but this might be the best song that we ever do on this podcast uh perhaps and maybe that's a big thing to, to break down but i think that that could be the case uh just with everything from history to like lyrics and production and everything it's just a true epic multilingual classic song maybe the first multilingual song that we've ever absolutely known like in our lives too. There might've been a couple, you know, gasolina comes to mind, um, as like a multilingual song too. But like, this was, I think maybe the first one that we would have gotten. Yeah, definitely the, the most prominent one. We'll go over some of the stats, but, uh, this dominated both digital and radio play. So, uh, if not the first, the biggest for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we always break down on here what we've been listening to uh, and everything like that. So any new stuff that we've been listening to, guys, we talked about the Killers. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to listen um, to it, but they were one of the big ones that was Imploding coming out. Imploding the Mirage. Yeah, yeah, it's probably their best since day and age. I think that came out in 2008. So that tells you, yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, is it a great album? No, but um, compared to what the Killers put out. What was the... What was the first single? The one that I like that sounded like Bruce which Springsteen. I honestly think is probably the yeah, best song good. on there. Um, so yeah, um, it, like Chris said, it's very Bruce Springsteen-y, uh, really guitar driven. Yeah. Um, when a lot of bands that came up in the two thousands are going away from that, the Killers kind of clung to that, and it's ironic because I think their guitarist and bassist left the band, like straight up half their band oh. left. Uh, they didn't want to tour anymore, so oh. uh, they leaned into guitars when their uh, their old guitarist isn't around to pluck the strings anymore. So it's kind of cool, uh, but it's really a short album. I think it's like 10 or 11 songs. Uh, pretty decent, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised okay. by it. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a big one. I know that it came out um, and everything, too. Um, there are some other songs that you know we were talking about off-air and everything, um, I still think that like just with new songs and everything that have been coming out, like, you know, we're going to keep hearing like the same type of things, you know, with like 
what's popping. I always talk about like that's one that's still playing um, and Brand everything too. Um, we might be hearing a lot less of Tory Lanes uh, now, maybe too. <laughs> that is um, true. Yeah. Uh, JoJo took him off of her deluxe album of the of the album that she was going. She's like, it just doesn't feel right to have him on there. Um, and meanwhile, Queen. this is Saturday night that we're recording this, um, so he has not said anything about uh, the shooting or anything. So that's pretty telling, I guess. Megan has though. Yes, she has. Yeah. So Megan confirmed it, but Tory Lanez has not said anything. And I knew Tory Lanez was not to be trusted. There was just something about him, mainly the fact that he's Canadian, that I that was not to be trusted. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I Tory Lanez has had a very interesting career to this point. Kind of wrote yeah. on Drake's coattails for a little bit. I feel in that like Toronto, you know, Canadian hip hop scene. Um, and now, who knows what's going to happen with his career um, mm-hmm. and everything, considering, uh, too. Um, one of the things I've listened to, guys, actually, I found a new love or a rekindled love for the song On to the Next One uh, by Jay-Z oh. and Swiss Beats. Yeah. Um, came classic. on one of my daily mixes. Um, and I was like, Stefan has pretty good stories about what snow blowing <laughs> uh, to that song. Yeah. yeah, growing up in Minnesota, you, your family probably had a snow blower because. You know, you want to, you need to do that a lot to your driveway. Save your uh, back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you have a snowblower, you need to crank it to the right and crank it to the left. So this song fit it perfectly on yes. to the next one. You go to the right, on to the next one, you go to the left. Um, so, it, and the flurries, it's very like, it's a chilly song in terms of production, Swiss beats. Um, we love, we love the justice sample. Yes. yes. It's good. Um, so it's, yeah. a, it's always going to be a snowblowing song for me. Yeah, that yeah. is that song is just incredible. And actually, I love like in Hamilton how they use like the same like stuff that they do and on to the next one where like they it's like when the sound drops out and it goes bah, 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 you know, like kind of like that. Yeah. Like I, I can't ex- like explain it. if you listen to the song, you can hear it. But they use that in like Hamilton and stuff. So like I always thought that was cool how they take stuff like that. But on to the next one was like a really out there uh, Jay-Z song at the time, definitely. He was more getting with, I guess, the yeah. new wave. That would have been, what, 2008, 2009? But yeah, uh, that still a banger of a song. And then that made me sad that I I never got to see Jay-Z on tour or that I missed the Watch the Throne tour uh, as well. I imagine that would have been on that uh, tour too with everything. But Chris, uh, did you guys listen to anything specific on the ride up to Vermont? You had like 12 hours or anything, or was it yeah. just... Yeah, we listened to, um, well, my parents are much bigger podcast people, um, so there were- Oh, so you listened to our podcast then, right? Yeah. We did. We did listen to the Viva La Vida episode. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I was actually kidding, but th- that's nice. That's yeah, awesome. Did. did they we, have any uh, feedback, good or bad? They they liked it. They liked it. Um, Paul- I think that was our uh, most clean podcast we've done. Episode. Yeah. I was, well, I was I was like specifically trying to think of which one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I my personal feedback is that I said um too much, but that's that's just that's my that that was what I noticed the whole time. <laughs> it's weird um, listening to your self talk. Yeah, it is. So um, other than that, so Future Islands for whatever reason have been having a resurgence for me. Oh. Um, so they're coming out with an album pretty soon, and they've been one of those bands I never really like dove into. But every single time a new album comes out and they put out a single, I really like it. So I'm like, all right. So I went back and I listened to Singles, their big album from 2014 that had Seasons um, on it. And, you know, that album's 
bomb um the album immediately after that that i forgot the name of uh but in like 2017 was great and so the new one comes out in a couple weeks they're actually gonna be doing another uh on demand live stream so i'm probably gonna you know pony up some 15 bucks and uh watch that one and uh yeah looking forward to their record um in addition to that uh disclosure um continuing to really enjoy everything they put out for their album um they so not the most recent but um the song mali mali that they put out um must have been like two weeks ago now um has just been like stuck in my head repeatedly it, it's either been that or wop and i can't sing wop out loud in front of my family <laughs> so it's so it's so it's gonna be that one um and that's not even in english so um <laughs> So, yeah, I, they also just started a new it's no longer called Beats One. It's called Apple One Radio, oh. um, but a new uh, Apple radio show. Um, so, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of them as well. Um, and then what else? What else have I been listening to? Uh, Jesse Ware. Her album is really, really good. And it took me forever to get ar- around to it, but I like it. Um, LP Joby. Um, she's been doing some fantastic live streams. Um, I don't know if she's like living with Sophie Tucker or is just friends with them, but she's literally like, like Sophie Tucker will finish out their live stream at the end of it. They'll be like, all right, LP Joby, come on up. And then she like, she's just there. <laughs> she just uses their exact <laughs> setup. Um, and then just switches to her Twitch instead. Um, and then uh, Machine Drum is coming out with his new album in a couple weeks um, of You of You, which is a great name. And I have been listening to the songs from that album. Oh, and A.G. Cook, obviously. There's like another you know, four, album. Yeah, 49 songs already. And then he's coming out with another album. So a lot, uh, lot to work with in terms of uh, in terms of material from A.G. Cook right now. Good old PC. Awesome. So, well, let's dive into this episode. Uh, it might be a long one. There's a lot to break down with this, so stick with us through it. If it is a little bit long, it will be worth your time, I promise. But as you all know, for legal reasons, we cannot play this song. We want you to go listen to it wherever you choose to listen to it. This is one you might not even have to listen to again because you know it so well. Uh, so go and support the artist if you can and at least get a feel for it. And then on the other side, we'll break down into our memories surrounding the song, history, production, and of course the lyrics. Stick around as well afterwards for the top 10 back then. And then listen to some notes here made by our own uh, friend of yours. And we We'll see you on the other side. Now that we are back, let's break down some of our memories with this song. Chris, I'm going to throw it to you first, actually. Um, give me some of your memories with this. Um, this might have been when you were over in Belgium that it came out. Am I wrong? Maybe yep. not. So I guess we can get a little international like take on what this song was like. And I mean, it was international, but just in yeah. general. Well, I mean, it was huge. Um, so this was around the time that I was a little, uh, I think I was 12. This is, if, if this was like... 06 that this got popular i think i was 12 i i um so there's a supermarket in belgium and france and a number of other places in england called care for um and it's uh 
and I I remember fondly they have a, they had a music section. I don't know if they still do because the music section had CDs and they had the CD singles and they would arrange them into the charts each week. Every time I'd go with really? my mom, I'd go over there and it'd be the it'd be the um, the ultra tip top forty. And uh, I just remember hips don't lie being there like the entire summer. <laughs> it was up at the top. It was the it was the cover was like Shakira as a fire breather. Um, and uh, yeah, I, my sister and I love this song. Shout out to Maddie. Um, we are it, she's staying with my family right now. We're all in Vermont together. And were she awake, I would have her here to talk about it. But um, she and I used to uh, play the song all the time. Um, it is a great one. I, yeah, I have very fond memories of this in the backseat of my parents' car. Yeah, that's really interesting that they do that, like, overseas, like, that they yeah, put it in the top 40. And maybe they did that, you know, here, too, and we just didn't realize it. But I feel like it would just be, like, the new stuff was out, like, at yeah. Target or Walmart or anything like that. Well, and the other thing is that CD singles are so big over there. Like, those were the, like, one or two track, like, CDs. And it was like it was like five dollars a CD. It was really weird, honestly, in hindsight that that was still that big. But um, but yeah, I mean, CD singles I feel like just were never that big uh, in America when we were growing up. Yeah, it was buy buy the whole album or or else sometimes, uh, unless it was a promo or something like that. So yeah, really yeah. cool to kind of hear that about overseas. So Stefan, what do you remember with this uh, song? I guess when we were younger and now and everything in between too. Yeah, I mean, back then it dominated everything. Uh, you could not hear it on the radio. Um, I remember there was like a uh, on, on cable TV, a music choice channel, which just showed videos. And uh, I was pretty entranced by this video. And it would pop on uh, a lot. It, it's a very good video. Very good. Mm-hmm. It is. Like a lot of circus shit going on. I, I think that's a theme we found in a lot of our videos we've covered. Um, some circus or ringleader stuff. But uh, yeah, she's like in some world market and her hips don't lie. Like she says in the song, uh, same thing with the video. So I remember the video a lot. I remember the radio play. Um, and like whenever you put this song on now, everybody loves it. Like it doesn't get old. I don't think it got old in 2006. It definitely yeah. hasn't, you know, changed 14 years later. Yeah, I completely agree. It would play, you know, when we were in college, when you're at high school and everywhere. And like, it's just one of those that everyone kind of stops and like, you shake your ass a lot uh, to this song. Um, and I think even like just with the Super Bowl, like that when she you know performed it this last year. Um, Only a like, few months ago, but it did right. the world. Uh, it <laughs> feels, yes, <laughs> indeed. Uh, but like, I think it was one of those that caught the boomers off guard a little bit because they're like what the hell like they know the song but they might not understand like that like Shakira can dance you know her ass off literally that's uh, like what the song's about essentially but you know it seems a little risque or a little bit out there but I mean they killed it and like you were just waiting for this to come on right and you're like Mm -hmm. okay like and you hear the horns come in and like it's just one of those that I feel like if you're like in the bathroom at a bar and you're like going to the bathroom and you like hear it and you hear the horns, you're like, oh shit, yeah. like I, I gotta get out and we gotta get to the dance floor right <laughs> now. There, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I gotta I gotta shake some ass. So and there there are songs like that, but I think this is one of those that you could really put like towards the top of the list for mm-hmm. like, you know, having that. So it, it is just really telling that, you know, 
15 years later almost, you know, 15, 14, 15 years that you're still waiting for her to perform this or you're still thinking about it in those ways. And that's one of the reasons why we're breaking down the song today, too. Mm-hmm. It's like a snake charming, you know, like how a snake charmer lures snakes out. This is a snake charmer song. It lures everybody out to the dance floor, the living room, wherever you're playing this. It just like has that uh, illusion to it. Yeah, even if you don't know what's being said at all times, which when I look through the lyrics, I'm doing them later. Like there's even some that you're <laughs> like, you're like, oh man, that's what it says or this. So like, I think it's really cool that people might get to hear it in, in a different way and get to hear all that type of stuff too. So let's break this thing down. It is going to be a, a, a long breakdown, but let's break it all down. So I'm going to throw it over to Ryan um, to give us some background on not only Shakira, but also Wyclef Jean too, who has a big part mm-hmm. In a lot of music, uh, but especially with this song, too. So take it away, Ryan. No fighting. No no fighting. No fighting. (laughs) We will not fight, no. Uh, We're going to start with Shakira because it is her song. Then we'll touch a little bit of Wyclef and how the the two collaborated and what happens. But if we're covering Shakira, we've got to go pretty far back, farther back than you might expect. We'll start where she was born, 1977. uh, Born Shakira Isabel Medbrak Ripoli in Colombia. She is Colombian, as you probably know, um, but she's also um, Lebanese and Spanish and Italian. Uh, She comes from a very diverse family, and that was a huge portion of her uh, upbringing. Um, Two cool facts I found about her early days is she wanted to become a belly dancer by the age of four. Um, Her dad brought her into a Middle Eastern restaurant, and she heard the Arabic drum, the Dombek, Hope I'm pronouncing that wrong. I pronounce about 80% of the words I try to pronounce correctly, incorrectly. Um, But she later became known as the belly dancer girl in school. And if you've ever seen Shakira perform, that totally tracks um, that she did that at a young age. And then what also happened in school, in second grade, she tries out for the school choir. And she's denied because of her very signature vibrato. Uh, if you hear Shakira saying she has that voice, the teacher said she sounded like a goat. Now, uh, not not the goat, not the greatest of all time. That's but. what I was going to say. She is a goat. She <laughs> is a goat of female Latin American music. So not incorrect. She also, I will be honest, like sometimes that vibrato does have a goat like quality to it, but it still sounds good. You know, it does. You know, that's interesting that that's something, too, that, like, people getting rejected. I feel like you hear that a lot with things like they didn't make the team here. Like, Michael Jordan didn't make his freshman basketball team. He's the greatest of all time, you know? Or, like, this person didn't do this. And, like, just that they overcome it. And she could have quit right there, but she didn't. No, exactly. It gives you a chip on your shoulder and something to uh, fight for. And if you don't have to fight for anything, you'll never improve. And I, I just thought those two facts from the beginning of her upbringing were very, like, uh, you know, key components of what we know Shakira for, the dancing and the voice. <laughs> so anyway, on to her career. What's interesting about Shakira that we might not know is that she was like a child star. She was just a child star in the same aspect of Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Fergie like coming up in the 90s, making it big as an adult pop star in the 2000s. But we don't really know that here in the States because she did it all in Spanish and it was really in Latin American countries before she crossed over. So her career started in 1990 at the age of 13. 13. 
And it wasn't really like a success even in the Latin American countries she was like aiming for. Uh, her first album, Magia, Magia, um, was released in 1990. Only sold 1,200 copies worldwide. Three years wow. later, she releases another one, Peligro, in 1993. But she's at the age of 16, and she says, I don't like this. I don't like the production on my album. I'm not going to promote it. I'm not going to do anything to promote that. And she was kind of, you know, big in Colombia, but they needed her help spreading it to other Latin American countries. She wouldn't do that. She decided to go and graduate high school like 16-year-olds tend to do. Um, and that was also a commercial failure. So she signed a, a record deal at the time with Sony for three, three uh, records. And she struck out on the first one with Magia and Peligro. The second one, she struck out. Now she has her third and final shot to actually do something. So it's 1995. It's been five years. And we're at Pies Descalzo. And this was released in 95 in Latin American countries, 96 in the U.S., mainly Spanish, but she mixed in some English and Portuguese. And this one finally hit. It had six singles. They dominated the U.S. Latin chart. So she was popular here, but again, it's all Spanish. Little, you know, mixing in English and Portuguese, but nothing like the Shakira we know in the 2000s. Biggest singles include Estoy Aqui at number two on that chart and Donde Estás Corazón at number five. Uh, my high school Spanish, that translates to Where Is Your Heart? Very good. That's good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't know how to speak in past or future tense, but I, I can speak in present tense pretty well. So she's a breakout star in Colombia, now a star across Latin America. She has three albums down, takes the third one to really stick. And she's just now crossing into the Latin American niche inside the U.S. Still not on the Hot 100 whatsoever, but in the Latin American chart, sure, she's crossed over. So in 1998, Donde Están Los Londrones is her fourth album. And one big thing I want to um, call out here is she sold 7 million copies worldwide. If you remember that first album, Magia, she sold 1,200 copies. So that's almost 7 million more than she sold her first album. It's the best-selling Spanish albums in the U.S. all time. She receives a Grammy nomination in 1999 for Best Latin Rock Alternative Album. And now she's finally got that like critical acclaim in the U.S. for all her Spanish-language work. She decides, hey, I'm going to try to do an English crossover album to dominate the Hot 100 chart that had eluded her to this point. So in order to do that, she kind of has to learn English, which she did not know at this point. A huge star at the time for Latin American female pop artists was Gloria Estefan, and she was actually recruited to help Shakira learn English. So that was kind of like a passing of the torch. Gloria Estefan was very popular in the 80s. She's going to say, all right, I know how this works. Shakira, I'm going to help you. Now, I wonder like how, like even now, like we have a lot of like, you know, Latin pop, hip hop that I think is more commercial in a lot of ways, especially in America, I would say. But I Mm -hmm. wonder like then, I mean, besides, you know, Gloria Estefan and Shakira, I mean, I don't know a lot that was going on around that time. So it's kind of cool that she gets the the torch passed to her by someone that was so prominent and well-known. I could think of like Juanes, maybe Selena, I guess. And that's, I guess Enrique started not long from there, but that's about it. Yeah. Wasn't anywhere as big as it is today. 
No, and um, there wasn't the appetite for it. I think uh, people are a lot more keen to listen to something in a different language now. Um, back then, like, yeah, she could be on the Latin chart, but she's never going to be on the Hot 100 with a Spanish language only song. That's why she had to do this crossover. That's why Gloria Estefan, you know, decided to help her. Um, now maybe she could just do a Spanish song and it could crack the top 10. Saw that a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So we get 2000, her fifth album, Laundry Service. This is the English crossover hit. And this is probably the first single you recognize from here. It's Wherever, Whenever. That was the lead single. Beautiful song. Uh, in Spanish, it is Suerte. But we know it in the U.S. as Wherever, Whenever. It was her first top 10 hit. So her first lead single as an English um, artist was a knockout of the park. It lands at number six in 2001. She has six more singles released from that album. And it ends up being the best-selling album worldwide in 2002. Wow. 13 million copies. So from 1,200 to 7 million to 13 million, she's making it huge. However, she had commercial success. The critics were kind of a bit more harsh about this crossover. Uh, they didn't like how the lyrics translated, which I think is unfair considering. Have you guys ever made a crossover album? Have you recorded albums in multiple languages? I don't think so. They said Thanks. that... The magic was lost in translation, according to one Rolling Stone reviewer. But looking back, like, come on, who are you? Yeah, like, I, like, there's times where, you know, we're looking at some of her albums or stuff, and I'm like, I, I cannot pronounce that or anything. So, like, learning, not only learning to talk, but also sing in a yes. different language is, is incredible in its own right. So, yeah, fuck that person who reviewed that. I guarantee so I mispronounced stupid. three things here. Yeah. Um, more than three and she learned English in a year and recorded an album right after that. So yeah, yeah. massive uh, album, no less. Yeah. Massive best-selling album of the year. So crazy. Um, but you know, this made her a bona fide pop star where now in the 2000s, she had a, a decade long career as kind of a child star in uh, the Spanish language. And now she's a dual language bona fide pop icon, but we're not quite at hips. Don't lie. We're about to get there. So we're going to 2005. She's the lead female voice of Latin American music, kind of what Anthony just touched on. You know, the uh, torch has been passed. And here is where she gets creative. She says, I had this whole career as a Spanish language artist. I just had a really successful English language album. I'm going to do a two-part project. First one, honoring my Spanish language roots. Second part will be only in English. So one vision, two languages. First one is Fijacion Oral, Volume 1. Translates to Oral Fixation. And this is released in uh, June 2005. Highest charting single lands on the Hot 100 as a Spanish song. Remember, I said that was hard to do. It's La Tortura Very at number solid. 40. And that whole album, um, Fijacion Oral, Volume 1, eighth highest selling Latin album, Latin American album of all time in the United States. Huge. Oh. Dope. So now we get to the English counterpart, released only a few months later in November 28th, 2005. Oral Fixation, Volume 2, for you gringos out there. That's the English translation. We get the lead single, Don't Bother, but it's a flop. Um, 
it peaks at 42. So less than the Spanish single. Yeah. Um, which was a surprise to the label Epic. Uh, they don't know what to do. So they're like, we need to do something here to increase the, uh, sales in this English album, because we thought that was going to be the better, uh, selling version of this two part album. Um, so they decide to recruit a guy named Wycliffe Jean to remake a song that he had in his pocket. And this is where it really gets interesting. Um, I'm going to pivot a little bit to Wycliffe Jean, why he had this song dance like this in his pocket. I'm going to implore you to now look at the show notes and go to dance like this um, and give it a quick listen. It's basically hips don't lie without Shakira, which is the best part. But Wycliffe Jean is the same. <laughs> Um, the production's very similar. It's missing a reggaeton beat, but it has a different uh, female artist on it. Just give it a listen and then come back to this and we'll explain how Wyclef Jean had this amazing song in his pocket. All right, so now we'll go into how Wyclef Jean had basically the backbone for Hips Don't Lie. Um, quick, quick, because he was the featured artist, uh, background on Wyclef. He's 50 years old. He's Haitian. He immigrated to the U.S. at age of nine. We know him as part of the group, the Fugees, in the 90s. Um, not only was he in that, but you had Pross Michelle and, of course, Miss Lauren Hill. And this band was active uh, from 1988 to 1997. Their two albums were recorded in the 90s. Hit songs such as Killing Me Softly and Ready or Not, you know it. They only had two albums. They disbanded in 1997. All three of them launched solo careers. Lauren Hill has a huge solo album, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, right off the bat. Does absolutely nothing afterward. That's a whole thing. For another for another episode, maybe. <laughs> That's another episode. <laughs> it really is. Um, kind of a shame because she's really talented. I saw um, her live. Yeah. Was she yeah, good? She was at Lufest. At Lufest. Yeah, she was awesome. Yeah. We saw. I, I was there for that. Yeah, we she was up. doing just the album, right? Like we went back. separately, but met up, Chris. And yeah, and, yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, she. Yeah, no, she killed it. Yeah, I mean, she's immensely talented. Um, really created that solo album was amazing. We'd love her to do some extra work here, but that is not the case. On the other side, Wyclef begins uh, producing for other artists. You know, Destiny's Child, Carlos Santana. He dabbles in that. He's a producer. He also makes solo albums on his own. Uh, first one in 1997, The Carnival. Roots and Haitian upbringing, more of a world sound. Um, you know it for the top 10 hit, Gone Till November. He'll be gone till November. Beautiful song. <laughs> yeah, so right off the bat, he has a fairly successful album as well. That <clears throat> album gets three Grammy Award noms, um, which I wasn't aware of. But yeah, it's a, it's a good piece of work. And not only does he release that album, he releases four more albums, none to the commercial success of the carnival. Um, but, you know, between 2000 and 2004, that's one per year, according to my math, if you have four albums in four years. So I mentioned he had a song, Dance Like This, and it actually came from the Fugees were planning a reunion in 2004. It was brief but fleeting. They did a few performances uh, with Dave Chappelle, it did not work out because Lauren Hill decided to drop out. They did record a version of a song called Lips Don't Lie. That's not hips, but lips. Also true. Weird. Very weird. Hips and lips don't lie. True, but weird. 
But weird, yeah. Lauren Hill was going to do the female vocal part, but she was a party pooper. Recording was never finished because she was dissatisfied. Uh, she was kind of dissatisfied not only with that song, but the reunion in general. Uh, Pross really named her as the reason why the reunion didn't happen. He's kind of bitter about it. And he said they were not on the same page. Wyclef and Pross were, but Lauren Hill was not. So Wyclef has this amazing song. You've heard it. Dance Like This. It's the backbone of Hips Don't Lie. What the hell is he going to do with this song? The Fugees aren't getting back together. It's almost sad that its fate was almost relegated to only the soundtrack of Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. <laughs> this this song dance like this was supposed to be like leading the charge for the fuji's comeback but it gets relegated to uh you know i think a spin-off of the 1987 blockbuster dirty dancing um this is a prequel dirty dancing havana nights it's basically just taking that premise of the original movie and saying now it's in cuba um <laughs> Of course. I remember, I actually watched this in Spanish class. It was terrible. Um, but this song was on it. And um, it was, you know, got no radio play. It was just a soundtrack song. 2004. The, the movie got 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not good. And um, you could tell why he had this in his back pocket. And when they approached him for Shakira, he said, this is the song. Uh, because the song is about speaking in Spanish and dancing. And that is what Shakira does, right? She belly dances and she sings beautifully in the Spanish language. Now, they didn't change Wyclef's part, but the female part was completely rewritten for Shakira. And she did a lot of the legwork here. Originally, it had no mention of hips. Uh, A lot of that by la calle part that comes in later in the song, that was in the chorus of Dance Like This. Um, But she kind of put her own spin on it. She said, I want a reggaeton beat. I'm going to rewrite the lyrics. Um, so she put that Shakira stamp on it and it already had a great backbone. Like I said, Wyclef's chorus was basically untouched, but it's not hips. Don't lie without Shakira's lyrics and her vocals. And that is how we get the hit single hips. Don't lie. Um, not only did they take this dance like this song, but they blended another sample, Amores Como El Nuestro, and that's how you get that trumpet in there. So that's also a key piece, and Chris can touch on that in a bit, but um, kind of taking a a square puzzle piece and trying to shove it into a triangle hole, they made it work. That's like one of the biggest like Cinderella stories, I think, for a song. Like, that song like really should have been dead from what like it was in like like you said, you watched it in middle school, you know, or high school Spanish class. Like that's like a song that was probably meant to die, and then it gets resurrected yep. and mm-hmm. turned into, like I said, maybe the best song we we broke it down in like a, a true classic. Yeah, I think uh, if it was like released as a Fuji's comeback single, it would have been huge. I don't know if it would have been as huge. It would have been maybe. big, but I mean, it was dead in the water. It was like on a soundtrack for a movie. I don't. I honestly think the movie might have been released straight to DVD. I could be incorrect there. Um, But it was not a high-grossing movie. It was... I don't know if the soundtrack was like a high-selling soundtrack at all. It it could have been just left in the water. But it's a zombie song. It had two previous lives, and then the third one, it took off. So how did the song actually do? You are probably assuming it did really well. You'd be correct. 
It's officially released as a single on February 28th, 2006. Reaches number one in June 16th, 2006, had 31 weeks on the chart. Uh, Chris talked about how this song was big in Belgium. It was. It was number one in over 50 other countries, which is insane. And it reached such great heights because it fired on all cylinders of the sales cycle. Uh, In the digital landscape, it was one of the fastest selling singles to that point in history. It had nearly 4 million sales in 2006 alone, 2 million ringtone sales for that year too. Um, oh, that would have been a great ringtone to have. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Yeah, that. Yeah, no fighting. I, I kind of want that now. It's my ringtone. It's so good. Yeah, I think you can still get ringtones. I don't right. know. Do you think they're free? They should be. No. I know okay. a guy. We can get it. I mean, <laughs> there's ways. <laughs> You'll have to look at that, look up those ways on your own. We're not um, at legal mercy to do that. Um, it also, on the radio side, kind of broke some records. Um, wait, I'll back up. Sony now claims it also has over 13 million downloads worldwide since 2006. So I mentioned 4 Jesus. million in 2006. Since then, over 13 million. Wow. If that's correct, that makes it one of the top singles of all time in terms of sales. Now, remember, that's Sony's internal numbers, and that's their own claim, but yeah. I think that's accurate. It makes sense. Yeah, I, if it's number one in 50 countries, that's a lot of the world that can buy this song. It also broke the record for the most played pop songs in a single week in American radio history, according to our friend Nielsen Broadcasting. The amount of times was just under 10,000, 9,637 times in one week. You think that they play it, they probably play it like the radio stations like once an hour, right? Around? Usually when the song's big, they play it about once an hour. Yeah, I, I would, once an hour every day for a week. It's 24 times 7, and now you get every radio station in the country doing it. That's a lot of times. That's a lot of math that I'm not going to do right now, but it checks out. Um, She was the first artist in history to earn number one on the top 40 mainstream chart and the Latin chart in the same week. So she broke records digitally. She broke records on the radio. She broke records on the Billboard chart. In addition to that, I mentioned the music video. It has over 825 million views as of 2020. And it like kind of spurred this weird viral thing on Yahoo um, and invited people to send in their own versions of the video and the dance which was like before you know really social media was a thing uh just imagine submitting your thing to yahoo and then checking every week to see if your video made it that's basically what it was and this went on for weeks um it was like kind of credited with one of the first fan to artist interactions in the digital landscape in the land of tiktok that happens instantaneously now you don't have to check it every week so, wow, that's a lot to go through um, in terms of performance and commercial sales. In terms of actual awards, Rock Nation claims it is one of the best-selling singles of the 21st century. Sony also claims it, so I'm going to say if two uh, different labels are claiming it, it's probably true. NPR ranked it as one of the best songs by women in the 21st century, Uh, Number 65 on that list. Billboard has it as number 93 on the greatest pop songs of all time in a 2017 list. 
But one thing I'm really upset about, guys, is uh, this song was not awarded any Grammy nominations in 2007. It got nothing. She performed at the Grammys, but no nominations. It probably had to do with when her album came out, right, Chris? Because if it comes out later in the cycle or, like, right after they take the noms, then, like, sometimes they get shafted, right? That is true. Um, Although I'm not sure if that's what would have happened here. This is, well... No, because this is November. This is November '05, so it would have been eligible in twenty in two thousand six. Well, is that the two thousand seven Grammys? Though I checked both. The, I, I think it would have been. Uh, she performed at the two thousand seven Grammys, but she wasn't nominated for any of them. Um, the That's main stupid. nominees. I think we covered it in a different episode, but it was the Dixie Chicks. They like kind of ran the board with Record of the Year and Album of the Year. Oh, jeez. Stone Live should have at least gotten nominated. Shame. It gets Grammys. all those commercial awards, but nothing uh, from the Grammy committee. Yeah. We've made our voices known on that, though. Mm-hmm. So you have this song. It's huge. It's number one. Global hit. Probably one of the best-selling songs of all time. Where do they go from here? We have Shakira and Wyclef. It's probably the peak of their career, right? Two years later, Shakira signs a $300 million contract with Live Nation for 10 years, which is huge for an artist. That's like an athlete-like contract. Um, And that's just for touring, so amazing. Aside from that, she would release She-Wolf in 2009, uh, both the album and the song, which was amazing. The song reached number 11 that year. And uh, Wyclef Jean would actually collaborate with her again on that album on a song called Spy. It was an album track. Uh, but we remember that album for She Wolf, rightfully so. You guys remember that video? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, classic video. Shakira has three more albums come out after that: 2010, 2014, and 2017. Um, the albums are really not huge commercial success, but you probably know the singles. We have the Waka Waka song for the FIFA World Cup. I uh, can't remember to forget you. The collaboration with Rihanna. I know Chris really loves that song. Good one. Very so. good one. Shakira was also the voice judge from 2013 to 14, which a lot of people, you know, we cover have been the voice judge. CeeLo, Christina Aguilera. Seems like it's a rite of passage. Kelly Clarkson now. Um, so, yeah, she stayed pretty busy. You know, she just did that uh, Super Bowl appearance with J-Lo. But apart from all the music, all the guest appearances, one thing that I think she should be recognized is for her philanthropy. She's been really generous. Um, Coming up in Colombia, she had uh, a view into orphanages and, you know, poor children, and that really stuck near to her heart. So one thing she really focused on was UNICEF. And then she named um, her own charity, the Barefoot Foundation, which is basically the translation of her fourth album. Um, Spanish to English translation is Barefoot Children because she was inspired by these kids in orphanages. And that's been doing a lot of work for, you know, um, her hometown in Columbia. I remember those UNICEF boxes. Remember you would get those like in uh, Halloween and things. Yeah, Halloween was a big one. And then like just in school and you were like, you know, you would you would be really like hyped up if you got like, you know, people to give you dollar bills or stuff instead of change. But but yeah, those that, that was awesome to do the UNICEF stuff. Yeah, she was a great ambassador for them. So, I mean. 
UNICEF's a great uh, program. I think she's had a music career we all recognize, but we should recognize her for a bit more than just the, you know, huge live performances she gives and the great music she's given us. Now, Wyclef Jean, on the other hand, we'll go into him. He's made music and he's done philanthropic duties, but it's a bit more sketchy with him. So in 2007, he releases Carnival Volume 2. Remember, that was his lead uh, album. And this one was probably his second best-selling album after Carnival. Uh, you know it for the song Sweetest Girl with Akon and Lil Wayne. Great song. Dollar Dollar Bill. You were just mentioning Dollar Bills. Um, yeah, the, it references Cream. Peaked at number 12 in 2007. So he had a pretty good stretch 2006 to 2007, number one and number two, uh, 12 on the Billboard Hot 100. He stayed busy with music, five albums after Carnival 2. That gives him 14, 14 as a solo artist, which I did not know he produced that many um, albums in his own right. But what he's probably best known for after um, Sweetest Girl is his involvement in politics and philanthropy. But as I said, it's kind of sketchy. So in uh, 2010, you guys know that there was a bad earthquake in Haiti. Being from Haiti himself, he really wanted to kind of spearhead that cause. You guys probably know the We Are the World uh, sequel that they did. Um, he was involved in that. He had a charity called Yele that helped raise funds for Haitians uh, in, in, in the earthquake and had a telecast, Hope for Haiti Now. Unfortunately, the New York Times outed uh, this charity he founded, Yele, uh, for not filing tax returns. Um, ah. Yeah. And it was kind of convenient because Wyclef stepped down from the organization in 2010 to run for the president of Haiti. So he left oh. the foundation to run for president. And then Haiti was like, no, you can't run for president, Wyclef. Uh, you have to live in Haiti for five years before you can do that. So kind of great timing for him to get out. Um, they said that a lot of the funds went to his inner circle and himself. And then the uh, the charity kind of um, fizzled after th 2012. It had one employee. It closed down. And it still owes debts to the Haitian government. So a lot of that money from the Hope for Haiti now kind of went nowhere. Jeez. Do you guys remember the It's Always Sunny episode where they keep like mentioning uh, Wyclef Jean and Gone Till November too? Yeah. It's very obscure. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's yes, great, I do remember That's that. a great episode. But yeah, they just keep bringing up stuff and they're like, are you quoting Wyclef Jean? They just like <laughs> quote random songs like the whole whole time. But yeah, that, that was a funny thing with Wyclef Jean too. Well, I guess he's remembered for that too. So aside from the music, the... Uh, the pop culture and Young Thug named the song White Club John after him too. He he was he a did. very influential person with music. So I actually love that song. It's a great Good song. And Kanye, the Kanye West song too. So I just ran through all that. Basically, how Shakira became a pop icon. How she uh, found a zombie song that White Club John had in his pocket that was destined to be a soundtrack of a shitty movie. And then what they did afterward, you know, they both had some success. Shakira more than Wyclef deservedly. Um, but 16 years later, this song still has a place in pop culture. It's undeniable. We saw the performance at the Super Bowl just a few months ago that shows you that multiple generations recognize Shakira if she's on that stage with Jennifer uh, Lopez. And then like recently, I'm seeing these TikTok memes um, 
it's basically taking the flute from the melody of Hips Don't Lie and then some kids pretending they're in the medieval uh, times, like saying furthermore in an essay rather than because. And then it shows them dancing to the flutes uh, playing Hips Don't Lie. So, I mean, Gen Z is all over it. If they're making TikToks of it, they love it. So Another life for Hips Don't Lie. Yeah, it's had many. Dance like this, a Fuji song. Now it's a TikTok meme. You know, that's that's all you can hope for when creating a hit single. <laughs> but one question I want to pose to you two. Um, I'm thinking of male-female collaborations in the 2000s. And there's a lot of good ones. We've got Crazy in Love, Promiscuous. Where does this stand? Is it the best? Or is it below those two? I, I narrowed it down to those three. And if you guys have another one, feel f- free to shoot it by me. But I, I think this is the best. If I think of yes. Crazy in Love and Promiscuous, I probably go Hips Don't Lie, Promiscuous, Crazy in Love. Yeah, that sounds about right to me, honestly. I can't think of any others. I feel like Crazy in Love got like a lot Ooh. more love, actually, you know, and stuff, just because it was one of those that wasn't really heard we talked about that in a top 10 back then episode like because that was number one at, at that time but um i would throw sweet escape up there too uh that's with, a good uh, that's a good one yeah one. actually dilemma also should mm-hmm. be up there yeah one that we talked about maybe doing too but mm. i think that from a global standpoint you couldn't you could not say that hips don't lie isn't the biggest but there are some up there too i would say um yeah, like like Chris said, even that too. Um, I was even thinking the first song that we did. I know it's you know not like huge, huge, but like "Live Your Life" was huge, like that. You yeah. know, there, there's stuff yeah. like that too. But I think from a global standpoint, this would take the cake easily. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, fifty countries number one in all of them. Yeah, I think it's up there for sure. Well, there you have it. Um, I think that says a lot about this song if we can rank it along with all those other ones and say it might be the best um 16 years later it's still certified bop yes it is and thank you ryan for taking the time to do that uh he told us today ladies and gentlemen that that took him two hours to do so we really appreciate ryan looking up all this every single week because it takes a long time so thank you for doing that and for that's how the so uh, well. sausage is made <laughs> yes it is takes takes time around these parts to do stuff so chris uh you're all the way in vermont but we're talking more about reggaeton and you know all this different type of stuff too so give us yeah. your breakdown of the production surrounding the song yeah so there's definitely quite a bit to talk about with hips don't lie but probably the biggest and most important context is going to be that uh, Wyclef Jean connection um, and for that matter the Wyclef Jean sample that it's effectively built around really more of a remix um, than a sample so as a result of um, of the song being a Wyclef Jean song initially and particularly being meant for the Fugees the the production was mostly handled by Shakira alongside Wyclef Jean and actually a man by the name of Jerry Duplessis, who is um, he's he's Haitian. He's had a number of credits dating back to the Fuji's album, The Score in 1996, uh, played the bass guitar with the Fuji's and is actually Wyclef Jean's cousin. Um, oh. Talented family. Keep it in the so. Family. 
he uh so he's been around for some time he would actually be on he has a really good discography he was uh he was playing bass on maria maria he would uh he would go on to work with a number of artists and produce songs including never forget you by lupe fiasco someone to love me by mary j blige do you by miguel great song uh i got you by duke dumont is partially featuring his songwriting oh that's a great song yeah and in fact dating back to oh four he wrote the song million voices with wyclef jean which was on the hotel rwanda soundtrack but would end up being famously sampled for million voices by Otto knows so he's he's had a number of hits that kind of transcended time and genre and he is one of the main producers of the song along with Wyclef and Shakira it's definitely interesting to think that this was you know it's a song that had multiple lives as we've mentioned but it's it's effectively based around something that was already existing and polished and kind of given its own flair. So the song itself, it's you can arrangement wise, you can kind of tell that the chorus is what you had to begin with. And it's built off of that. And the reason I say that, so the song's chord progression is actually really fun. Um, and it kind of it kind of plays off the samples. So two samples, the the obvious, the trumpet that is going throughout the intro and a lot of the song is from, let me, let me see if I still have this up. It's from Amores Como El Nuestro by Omar Alfano and performed by Jerry Rivera. Uh, 1992 song, it, it was, uh, it ended up having a number of times of uh, being sampled Rivera actually initially uh, he he accused Shakira of ripping off the the trumpets. He didn't realize his label had already cleared the sample. So um, <laughs> lack of communication. Uh, yeah. Or uh, hey, <laughs> they, they give me my out. money. He wanted to get his money. Basically, he wanted the he, coins. Yeah. I don't blame him. But he <laughs> uh, but they figured it out. The other um, the other sample is going to be that clarinet that comes halfway through the Barranquilla se baila si. Um, that whole bit in the kind of breakdown is from a trumpet riff. Actually, it's it's from Grupo Nietzsche in uh, in an old song called On a Mile. So a lot of history between those two, but. It, it lends itself to the chord progression, which is a sharp minor. Uh, it's it's over a pretty standard reggaeton dembo beat, but it but it ends up kind of threading the notes from those from both of those two samples, even though the clarinet sample never ends up being used any other part of the song besides the breakdown, um, which I thought was interesting when I was kind of looking this up. So the so the chord progression it, it ends up being A sharp minor to F sharp to G sharp to F minor, kind of just loping along there. Um, F sharp, G sharp, A sharp minor. It's it's basically just playing along with bass chords of the 
uh, of the B flat minor scale. But what's but what's funny about that is uh, to kind of my point about it being clear that they were basing off of what they had to begin with. So the chorus has that chord progression, and then throughout both verses and the breakdown, it's just a repeated uh, it, it's it's repeated A sharp minor. So the whole oh boy, I can see your body moving. That entire thing is just the one uh, chord, just kind of noodling on top of it until um, until the Baila Ankaye, that whole um, second part of the of the verse kind of just alternates between that and G sharp. It's it's a very interesting little um, just variation on this sample. It doesn't stray too far from its from two samples, really. It's so it's the Wyclef Jean, which was initially sampling those trumpets. And you can kind of see how they were. It, it kind of created a rigidity and sort of a sort of guidelines that they had to stick to. But in a lot of ways, I feel like that kind of bred a lot of creativity for the session musicians and the folks who uh, Jerry included were behind the scenes trying to figure out how to flesh the song out to play along and play around without without going too far and creating something that didn't feel like the sum of its parts. So by the, so by the end of it, they've done a number of verses. It actually has several, uh, it has several bridges <laughs> that are, which is really interesting to me. Um, it has the Bailan Calle. It has the, um, the Embarquia Se Baila Si. And then um, Wyclef Jean's rap verse so the so then that whole uh all all of that ends up going back and basically going around shakira and wyclef's uh call and response so it's a really effective kind of structure of a song despite feeling like on paper like it was pretty obviously built off of this albeit incredibly catchy chorus uh, it could have it it could have very much not worked in lesser hands. I think the biggest um, I think the biggest success here was really leaning into that trumpet sample. There's yeah. a reason it was chosen in the first place, and the chord progression that it lends is extremely compelling. It's very much based in uh, classic Latin music and Latin tropes. It's uh, it's it's really catchy. Shakira's vocals, for that matter, end up kind of playing along perfectly. Her register is r- sitting right along those those chords and those notes. She she doesn't really stray too much further from one octave, but it but it's extremely effective. It again allows the the session players to kind of have some kind of have some energy to play off of with her that that vibes perfectly with the with the chord progression. So it's it really sounds like a bit of a jam in a lot of ways. Like it sounds like they put that loop on and, uh, you know, maybe recorded some uh, some hand drumming in the breakdown and just looped over that. Uh, I'm not positive. Uh, Young, you may know this. I I don't know. Um, I'm not positive if Wyclef's verse was originally from Dance Like This. 
I know, yes, the lyrics that he basically provided were essentially the same. So okay. they had, like you said, that they were creative and like that they kept that intact because it was so catchy and the lyrics worked and the chorus yeah. was a bop. Like it's a bop by itself. It was just almost like just a movie song. Um, yeah. But like you said, the way they just kind of flourished it with the trumpets, added Shakira's lyrics in, um, they made it, it didn't seem like it was just some Frankenstein song. It was yeah, a exactly. New song. It's it definitely doesn't feel like a Frankenstein. I think what's interesting too is, I, I mean, the reason I brought that up is I honestly could have seen it going either way in terms of Wyclef's verse being original or not, just because it does feel the the end result feels organic. It feels like the way that they that they lead into it with the drum solo almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of setting the stage for him. It almost feels like he's, you know, just spitting that over a session player. Yeah. And it, and I think the way that they produce that is really clever. I think it lends to kind of the originality of the record. I, I would, I would say that this is probably one of those songs that, it, it, on, it for sure on paper seems like a weird one to end up as a single, but kind of just shows the shows the power of energy, really. I mean, I I think a lot of the, it actually reminds me quite a bit with what they would end up doing almost 15 years later on Despacito. Um, a lot of parts that seem kind of weird, like a tempo slow down just before the chorus uh, and and the chord progression kind of loping along it it's it's almost kind of classic in reggaeton at this point to take things that don't necessarily make that much sense from uh you know more americanized uh pop music context and really just lean into it for that energy same goes with the Dembo rhythm. So that's the so that's the root, the Dembo rhythm of the um, what we now know is the reggaeton drum beat. Uh, we all know it. we can hear it in our heads right now. It's it's the exact same one that's in most of most massive reggaeton songs to this day. And it's based off of um, uh, it's ba- it goes back years and years to um, to Afrobeat and is an extremely simple but extremely effective rhythm. It it flows perfectly with music like this because it, it lends itself to simple but really effective fills like in this one where they where they go and break into kind of a kind of an eighth note like boom 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 doom, boom doom, boom 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 like it they really um they really kind of nailed it in terms of um, using the using a very simple but very versatile drum beat to kind of tie all of this together. Um, again, not I, I not one hundred percent positive, but from what I listened to, I listened very briefly to dance like this. I don't believe that that that, the that rhythm. Part, no. Yeah, uh, was yeah. That there. I read that Shakira wanted that part in there. That's why she kind of had that co production credit. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was not in there. Um, other than that, the song sounds like a split copy, but without that reggaeton beat driving it, it's not mm-hmm. the same. 
I think it, yeah, I, I think it, yeah, like I said, kind of speaks to uh, the power of the power of that genre to really lean into lean into these jam band almost tropes and uh, patterns that you know that you you, ve- you very much feel like you're in the room with these with these people and it lends itself to a party atmosphere. It lends itself to kind of, kind of a performance aspect too. Mm -hmm. The whole thing feels very organic and very passionate, which is ironic because again, like, you know, it's something that they kind of put together in a studio as a hit single idea. But, you know, I, I think that's, I think that almost is, you know, more power to them for pulling it off as well as they did. So, yeah. What uh any thoughts that y'all have on the production besides that? Um you mentioned a part about having it having multiple bridges and mm-hmm. I am not a dancer but I'm assuming that is the, the song was dance like this was purposed for a movie that was about dancing and then given mm-hmm. to Shakira who is a dancer in addition to being a singer and I'm wondering if like having multiple bridges in there kind of just contributes to that um, dancing atmosphere it's a part where you can freestyle mm-hmm. you know that's um, a good point actually you know I have think more that's... space to express yourself where yeah, in I think the chorus right. you stick to a specific dance i think not only that but the each bridge kind of allows a different variation on the chorus uh, production and elements especially i can i can remember at the beginning of shakira's they kind of break into a into a cool little almost triplet like oh yeah you just want to ruffle your feathers at that point yeah that ends up really lending itself to kind of freestyle dance like you said i think um i think wyclef's part as well you can kind of imagine so you can kind of imagine almost you know a like a group of people like egging them on as a freestyle you know for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think that's a good thing to highlight too. Those bridges are really powerful for the flow of the song because they all, they shift things, but they don't feel, they don't feel like tangents. Yeah. I think I'm going to get into it in a second too, but I think like it is disjointed, but together at the same time, cause there are like very really yeah. crazy things that happened all over the song that aren't like a true pop song. Like we talk about how they're very, much like thought out and like it's the same thing every time and then there's a bridge it's a little bit different but like even within the chorus and like verses there's different things that are going on that aren't in the mm-hmm. same places and i think that's what makes it cool too to listen to it like you said like yeah in the white Jean part where it's like he goes and like there's just like you know a triplet like you said or like the drums that go like duh, 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 and you're like whoa what was that mm-hmm. and like it like just kind of like puts you on a ride that that you don't want to get off yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. well, awesome. Thank you for that breakdown of the production regarding the song. Um, yeah, there's there was a lot going on, and it makes sense that you kind of have one thing that's laid the base, but then you got to add something on top of it with Shakira coming in to to make it different. And I think that kind of leads into the lyrics perfectly. So the first thing I wanted to say with the lyrics in general is that. You can't tell that it was two different songs if you didn't know it wasn't. But once you like learn mm. that it was a song that was you know 
wants a song and then made to support Shakira. You can kind of hear it within the lyrics even and everything like that too. So, you know, each verse and each, not the chorus, but like each verse and bridge sounds different. And I think that you can kind of get that when you know that it was something else, but it doesn't ruin the song by any means. I think they actually might make it better um, with the end product uh, in general too. But um, I'll start right from the beginning. So you get the, you know, horn sample in the beginning that come in and you get Wyclef Jean on the intro. Um, and he says, you know, the famous words at the beginning of the song where he goes, no fighting. And, you know, you're like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Um, but, you know, he says, you know, uh, ladies up in here tonight, no fighting. But then he says right after that, um, you can kind of hear that he says, we got the refugees up in here, which is actually a play off of the Fugees, you know, the refugees, um, too. So he still gives a shout out, even though there might have been bad blood with them or anything, or maybe not bad blood, but they might have broke up on whether it was Lauren Hill's terms or everyone, you know, like that too. But you get that and it kind of is like a shout out because he said, I wouldn't be here without you guys. But also we made this song that maybe he knew was going to strike gold. I mean, like it, he had Shakira who's up and rising and was selling albums like crazy. So maybe he knew that he had to throw it back to who he uh, was with too. But then he comes in and uh, you get the pre-chorus with Wyclef Jean and Shakira. I mean, everyone knows it, but I think it is really cool that it is like a kind of call and response in a way. Um, but also it's this way of Wyclef Jean like going after the woman that he sees and he tries to speak the language of the woman that he's talking to too. So it's like kind of the playoff. And, you know, he goes with, I never really knew that she could dance like this. She make a man want to speak Spanish. And then he goes into it and he says, Como se llama Bonita Mikasa Sukasa, which, you know, will translate to, um, What is your name, beautiful? My house, your house. And it could be a phrase just, you know, like my, Mikasa Sukasa. Um, I also thought of it maybe of like a my house or your house type of thing, uh, you know, after the club type of thing. And that um, could oh. be could be a little bit off. But, you know, he's saying like, hey, my house or your house in uh, that way, too. Um, but then Shakira comes in. And when you talked about her teacher, Stefan, like saying that she has this vibrato and like it's. Sounds like a goat. I don't think it sounds like a goat that harsh, but this is like really breaks down like her vibrato. Um, mm -hmm. Big thing when she goes, oh, baby, when you talk like that, you make a woman go mad. So be wise and keep on reading the signs of my body. Um, and like then she breaks into the chorus. Everyone knows the chorus. You know, I don't have to sing it. I'll probably ruin it um, in that case. <laughs> um, but I didn't know that the lyrics in the start were I'm on tonight. You know, my hips don't lie. I don't know what I thought it was. I think it's like, I do, you know, I don't lie or something like that, that my hips don't lie. Um, or like, I don't know what I thought it was, but it's, <laughs> I'm on tonight. You know, my hips don't lie and I'm starting to feel it's right. All the attraction, the tension. Don't you see? This is perfection. Um, and I think that is perfect to have after the pre or just the pre-chorus in general, because it is, like I said, this like kind of banter back and forth. And she's like, Hey, I know I got it, so you got to come get it. And then they break down into the White Club Jean first verse, um, which sounds very different from his third verse, and I'll get into that in a second too. So he kind of breaks it down into more of like singing, which I think we, well, if you know White Club Jean, you've listened to him 
I think I think of Wyclef Jean more of singing than rapping or hip, or hip hop influences that he would have. Um, so he's just saying, you know, like I see your body moving, driving me crazy. You know, I saw you dancing, and nobody can ignore you essentially in that. So keep shaking it, basically. So he's in trance essentially, and it plays off a bit. You go back into pre-chorus with everything, and back into another chorus. Um, I think that in the second chorus, it's funny uh, with. Um, more of Wyclef Jean's thing. He says no fighting again, um, which is hilarious. And his little like Shakira Shakiras are like perfect, like ad libs into everything that's going on because it is the Shakira song, but it's almost like Wyclef Jean is handing it off to Shakira because it was his song to begin with. And he's like, you're the star of this song. Like I kind of laid everything, but you're really what took this to the top and took this song from the grave, so to speak too, uh, at this (laughs) time. Um, and then um, you get into the second verse with both of them. Um, and we talked about this a little bit with Chris, uh, but like when you hit these like triplets that are going on and everything, um, and she just says, I see your body moving, half animal, half man. I think that's kind of cool. She has a song called She Wolf later. You know, that would be like half ah. woman, half man, um, essentially. So uh, kind of a little cool um, call there. Um, you seem to have a plan, my will and self-restraint, uh, have come to a fail now, fail now. See, I'm doing what I can, but I can't, so you know. It's a bit hard to explain. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. And then you hit the first bridge uh, of many, um, but they do go right into just, you know, Spanish speaking. And so it's the baila en la calle de noche. Uh, and they just say, you know, say in the night, in the day, in the night, in the day. So it basically will do dance in the street during the night dance in the street during the day um and it actually was just that reference to a popular song at uh, in the dominican republic too um but that's kind of the first just bridge and that sounds so different from everything that's happened in, in the rest of the song then you hit another pre-chorus because why not it's, it's fucking amazing so why wouldn't you hit another one uh too then you hear the second bridge um and this is when it like really breaks down um and flows into Wyclef Jean's part uh, where he's rapping more so. Um, But this is when it's like the senorita, feel the conga. And it's just like one of those things where it's like very syncopated and very meticulous. I know we talk about that a lot, but I think it is that time of like saying like, here's the conga and we're really going to break it down for Wyclef Jean's verse, which is definitely planned, right, Chris, in order to do that and definitely planned to go into it. Um, Yeah. And it makes sense. It is like one of those things that you bring someone like Wyclef John, who had 14 albums, he's worked and done all these things that he knows that that's going to go into it. Um, so he says, so let me see you move like you're from Colombia. And then at the end of that, he'll say, Mira in, oh, I'm not even going to say it actually. So it, it's Spanish, but it's basically says, look in the, the Barranquilla, they dance like this. So they kind of breaks down and she's proud to represent basically where she's from uh, in Colombia um, and be able to show her moves in the club and actually be able to put on for her, you know, whole country at this point, you know, she is one of those people too. Uh, and then you get a white club, John uh, rap session, which the world didn't know that they really needed it uh, in, in a sense, uh, but you get it. And, I think like you actually forget about this part a lot when it's on, you know, in the club or anything, because maybe they mix it out at this point or anything. But um, like it really just is like sultry and kind of like 
goes like down low and he's like, yeah, she's so sexy. Every man's fantasy, a refugee like me with the Fugees from a third world country. That's talk about him. You know, he brings refugee Fuji again. He's from Haiti, right? And then he has a great line that says, I go back like when Pac carried crates for Humpty Dumpty. We leave the whole club jazzy. I looked up this line. There was a dance called the Humpty Dumpty dance. Do you guys remember the Humpty Dumpty dance? I've heard of the Humpty dance. Is that the same yes, thing? Yes, excuse me. It's the Humpty dance. Do the Humpty yes. hump? Yes. So the Humpty dance um, was actually uh, very big in the 90s. Um, and it's sung by Digital Underground. And a young Tupac is in the background of that song. So when he says, go back like when Pac carried crates for Humpty, for Humpty Humpty. Oh, so his upbringing with that. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he says, leave the whole club jazzy. Why the CIA want to watch us? It's the Colombians and Haitians. I ain't guilty. It's a musical transaction. So basically he's saying that the CIA is suspicious of him for whatever reason, um, just because of his ethnicity, essentially, and who he's hanging around with. But he does do a play on words with the uh, word transaction, as in money. Um, so it says that would what they need to convict him, essentially. So a lot of great wordplay. And he says, Bobop, Sobop, so no more do we snatch ropes. Refugees run the seas because we own our own boats. Boats. No fighting. He has to get one more in there, too, of course. Uh, but then you get the chorus. Last chorus, too, and like that really just drives it home. And then you get the outro uh, going, too, and you get that great, you know, horns and everything in there. But the song ends ab- as abruptly as it begins. And I think that's what really is cool about it, too. You know, it comes up with this huge horn, and then it just ends with it, and it cuts it off, and that's it. And then you're like, what the hell just happened these last three and a half minutes? It's not a very long song, either, like, yeah. by it any standards. Um, so it, it's a ride and there's a lot to it, but I think it's everything you want. You want to shake your ass, but you get good lyricism in there too. You get white club John rapping, you get back and forth, them represented their countries, all this stuff too. in a three and a half minute song. Um, so anything you guys want to bring in with, with lyrics or anything like that? No, I think you about covered it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking up the lyrics to dance like this, and I do want to retract what we said. I think that uh, that verse you just covered with the CIA, the Colombians, and the Haitians was added into the song. It makes sense oh, because okay. Shakira is from Colombia. Um, that was not in the dance like this, the OG version, but I think he added that part. Other than that, all his choruses are exactly the same. Yeah, I was like, that sounds very natural if they brought it in, but. You know, more more power to Wyclef. Well, yeah, and like for him to go back and then like probably hear Shakira go over this, and then he probably was like, "Shit, I gotta add something else on because like, mm-hmm. like Shakira is bodying me." Like, and no, no, does she does anyway? <laughs> but like, yeah, maybe he did, renegade. and he's like, "Hey, this is my time to shine." And then you know, he he maybe saw it for his career, but uh, good lyricism by him and in, in general. Um, Sometimes I feel like, you know, you can get stuff that's corny, but I think that he does a good job at, at holding his own and, and adding towards it, too. The ad lib game was really strong here. The ad lib game is great. Specifically, no fighting. That's yeah, top notch. I mean, it, maybe it was something he said, and it was just funny that he, he had to keep saying it over and over again, and it's the first thing you hear pretty much uh, in the song besides those horns. Lyrics-wise, that's what you've heard first, so. 
All right, well, that is another breakdown of a song uh, that we all know and love. Uh, so let's get into our signature segment, and that segment will be the top 10 back then. The top 10 back then. The top 10 back then is brought to you by Chris. So Chris, give us the week that this peaked. Was only number one for two weeks, actually. That surprised me when I was yeah. looking up stuff. Um, a shame, but uh, give us the week and then any you know honorable mentions you want to give us and anything. Let's dive into it. Yeah, yeah. So we're at June seventeenth, two thousand six. We've covered a pretty similar period here um, in not in recent ish times. Um, Over my head is still pretty high on this chart. So call back to our namesake. Um, we've we've also got another uh, a, another number of songs that we all know and love. But um, just from uh, just for a couple of important um, debuts this week, we have two that I think are oh three. Life is a Highway by Rascal Flatts <laughs> debuts this week. I didn't notice that until just now. Oh my uh, God. 59. <laughs> uh, Hot Shot debut. I, I guess this is when cars happen. I don't know. It ha- yes. Stefan hates happen. cars. We, we, we don't need to discuss cars <laughs> we have, anymore. We have opinions on cars. Um, so in a, uh, another thing is Kick Push by Lupe Fiasco at 79 this week. Nice. That it's one a great album. That one didn't yeah. chart too high either, totally. I remember I mentioned that to no, do a song, uh, one on that, and we're like, that didn't chart high, but it's one of those cult yeah. songs that if you know yeah, Lupe you Fiasco, thought it, you know it. You would have thought it charted higher, or at least I, I would have. Um, and then at number 90, uh, Shoulder Lean by Young Dro and T.I. Mm-hmm. debuts this week. Debuted this week. Interesting. Okay. That would rise, yeah. right? That yeah, it went, so, it went top 10. Go check out yeah. our other episode to hear where it was. Yes, yes. So we, uh, we've we got a good top 10 uh, to start with. Number 10 is Temperature by Sean Paul on the lo- the latter end of its time. Um, it did peak at number one previously. Um, it's I, th- I believe this is his last week in the top ten. Actually, it's coming down from number seven. Um, yeah, we've talked briefly about temperature. I love it. It's oh, a yeah. it's definitely a favorite pop song of mine of in in many many ways. Another um, leave the bathroom at at the bar to go shake your ass on the floor. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> as soon as you hear the um that uh those intro synths yes the clapping yeah yeah um so that's at number 10 and unfaithful by rihanna is at number nine a great song up uh three spots this week to break into the top 10 for the first time i want to say it didn't get too much further than that uh sos was the big hit from this album but unfaithful did have its moment in the sun I, I've always liked that song. I think oh, I think yes, it's really yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's really really versatile, especially for that period of Rihanna's discography. I mean, for sure. one could argue that she, you know, that that was a bigger risk than one might have expected from a pretty early in their career artist at that time. But, uh, but obviously, she pulled it off because she's Rihanna, and yeah, that's that's it's all I have to say about that beautiful ballad 
Yeah, really mature sounding, especially for uh, this was her second album. Yeah, so, so she's yeah. like 17. Maybe. Yeah, really, really mature lyrical content and uh, yeah. her vocal performance is really good. Great range in this song, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But... Yeah, the chorus, she like jumps up an octave. So good. So another song I love. Uh, Me and You by Cassie is on its way down as well. We've been this uh, week requested to do this song. Like, as we it. should. Yeah. Um, and I would I will second that because the song has one of the best and most timeless beats of the decade. I'm going to state that right now. I would I would I would say top five favorite beats in, or instrumentals. Heard it here first. For me. Heard it here first. Write that down. <laughs> The iconic song. Every time I hear this in any sort of dance context, I lose my shit. You should put it in a DJ set you do, Chris. I will, absolutely. I, I need to figure out something to mix with buttons, and that might be a good one. <laughs> we talked about that last time, and I keep trying to think about that. Um, so, number seven, we just mentioned it, but SOS by Rihanna is on its way down. Um, it's... Uh, it's I, I think it still has a couple of weeks left in the top 10, but um, previously had hit number one earlier in the year. A great song as well. Very well done sample. Well, that's crazy because, OK, so we got two songs from Rihanna. Rihanna. She's from Barbados. We mm-hmm. got um, a song from Sean Paul. Where is he from? Jamaica, Jamaica. OK, that's mm-hmm. in the Caribbean. And then um, Wyclef Jean is from. Haiti, which is also mm-hmm. in the Caribbean. So we have four number one, number top ten songs that are in the Caribbean so far. So mm-hmm. it's very so far. So there far, might be yeah. more. It's uh yeah, it's a very um it's it's a very worldwide top ten. I'd say I love it. That's not a pit bull preview. Pre- oh. Pit bull is not in this top ten, <laughs> but it would have been a great. Uh, great way to do Three oh five. Let's just let's just clear that up. But what we do have in this top ten is a song that. Um, will always have a special place in my heart, as with any of the members of this very, very great band. Um, I just recently had a reminiscing moment. Um, Where'd You Go, uh, Fort Minor featuring Holly Brook. Of course, Fort Minor is uh, Mike Shinoda of Linkin Park. Um, it's his side project, and it is definitely... Uh, Definitely a product of its time, but I'm I'm a big Linkin Park fan, and uh, yeah, this is a very solid song. Um, definitely got a bit overplayed in its time, but you know I'll, I'll always support Mike. Um, to that point, check out his Twitch streams. I, I stumbled on that recently, and he he does production streams now, and he's he's very he's just a really really like clearly kind dude like he he responds to everybody in chat and like shows them what he's doing and whatnot obviously he's still just stupidly talented um he produces all his own stuff so what quite quite the guy anyway yeah fort minor where'd you go what do y'all think about this one i can see this being a tiktok song for some reason like a a good one where you're like sad or like doing like a thing like yeah i don't know i think that that i'm sure it's been used it hits right in the feels. It hit in the feels yeah. then, and it hits in the feels now. And I'm sure there's been a lot of YouTube like weird anime videos oh, made yeah. to this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Is it the best <laughs> Fort Minor song though, or, or is Remember the Name better? Oh, Remember wow. the Name is up there. Um, High Road is a is a close second. Um, I, I can't uh, name a fourth. 
That's uh that's the John Legend one. Um It looks yeah, like on his remember... page like Petrified was one of the other big ones. Yeah. Fun fact about where'd you go that I didn't realize for years later. Um so the so the featured singer on this is Holly Brook. Um and you might you might think I've never heard anything else that she's done ever. No. Yeah. No, you have. That's Skylar Gray. Years oh my god. She what? would have changed. Remember change I need a name. doctor. Oh yes, we oh, remember the my. Skylar Gray era. <laughs> Wait, yeah. so she was like heavily involved with Dr. Dre. How did she jump yeah. from like um Fort Minor to Dr. Dre and Eminem? This was like her one major hit from uh as Holly Gray. And um so she worked with a lot of kind of Lincoln Park affiliates um and whatnot in the in the mid to late 2010s and then right around um right around the end of the 2010s or the 2000 sorry mid to late 2000s right around the end of the 2000s she changed her stage name to skylar gray and linked up with alex the kid and so alex uh, the kid the producer, yeah. had yeah he had a number of extremely boring hit songs that there were a lot of eminem songs right yeah like, yeah, love airplanes, love the way you lie. I need a doctor so bad. Yeah. His yeah, production did not age well, him. but I'll admit no, I loved it at the time. time. Uh, I, oh, he I, worked I, with I the Mackin' Dragons too, Alex the Kid. That makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, he did. Yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, so Skylar Gray, that, uh, obviously she's had a number of massive Oh, he did Thunder too. Then, oh, God, Alex the Kid. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he is. He, I am. I am not a fan. Um, he so, ruled the charts, though. Love yeah, the way you lie. Airplanes. Yeah. I need a doctor. Thunder. You know, it's, uh, you know what I find really funny. Uh, I did not know, but just um, <laughs> just discovered this. Um, so, <laughs> so Fort. So, where'd you go? Was her first major hit. Um, but just before that, she co-wrote and um and worked on an <laughs> an album called finally out of pe uh, by a teenage brie larson what wait brie <laughs> larson captain yeah. marvel yeah brie larson yeah wait she, she was uh, a musician she was and who worked was, with uh, skylar gray she was a teenager <laughs> at the time, and it was it was literally just like about like teenage. <laughs> so, wait, the I, title was finally got out of PE, like physical yeah, education. Yeah, like PE. She named it after a gym teacher she disliked. <laughs> Who greenlighted um, this? This I actually vague. I have like a weird memory of one of these songs. She said it was on a Nickelodeon CD that I had as a kid, and I never put two and two together. This has been wow, a rabbit what hole. What the fuck? She I'm, toured with Jesse McCartney. What the hell? She, she had her fame, maybe a little bit. You know, I don't, I don't really know how to process that. So we're just gonna have to yes, move on. If you're out there, um, listen to Brie we, Larson stuff. We'll put it in the show notes. Stefan, yeah, put it in we, the we'll show. Notes. Finally, out of um, PE, released in yeah. 2005, 13 tracks. So, put it in so the show notes. Listen to it. Yeah. So. First, I see here. I thought that Holly Brooks to Skylar Gray was going to be the biggest plot twist <laughs> of that one, but no. Um, but before we move on, just shout out to um, to Mike Shinoda and Lincoln Park and rest in peace, Chester Bennington. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're wonderful. Absolutely. Um, so, number six uh, is 
where'd you go? Which we could apparently go on a very long tangent if we wanted, but we are Levels. not going to. It's uh, it's just dropped out of the top five, actually. It peaked at number four uh, the week before. And just above it is another song that's just dropped from number two to number five after its stay at number one, uh, Bad Day by Daniel Powder. Mentioned before, definitely, but I'm sure this was part of the big fall. The, yeah, this so so this was this was a period. <laughs> this, this this was a song. The ballad. I, yeah, I remember. I mean, we've all heard this song a million times, and I was big on American Idol at the time. Yeah, whenever so they sent somebody home, anymore. bad day, yeah. bad, bad day, and uh, hips don't lie are two opposite songs. Yeah, they are. I feel um, like this song is also combined with uh, "You're Beautiful" by James Blunt, who's. Kind yeah. of also another one-hit wonder, although he had a much better career than Daniel Powder, but same yes, time James, period. I will vouch for James Blunt, but um, yeah. They're the same person Daniel, in my eyes. Daniel Powder actually did have a good follow-up single. It just didn't do anything. Free Loop, great song. Um, but yeah, I uh, I don't really know what else to say about Daniel Powder. I think, anything else I think that's it to say about yeah, it yeah. he had his he, wasn't he addicted to meth or something oh okay wow <laughs> there's something <laughs> really got <laughs> throwing his business well, I out not. there <laughs> I, I i remember some like uh pieces around 2006 oh yeah look at this drug addict now he's number one um well, I, really I think i think you might be thinking of aaron carter but well, well he's on drugs like now maybe not but... <laughs> i don't know when i when i tip in daniel powder meth nothing comes okay i didn't mean to slander please don't sue us daniel powder or daniel powder you might have never done meth i don't know he's a, he's a, you know i doubt he's done meth um all right well on that note so we're <laughs> so we're at number five and i do want to point out that every song except for unfaithful which is up three spots has dropped at least a couple spots this week um and there there's a reason for that um the song above Bad Day just vaulted 20 spots from 24 to number four, which doesn't happen all that often in uh, 2006. It usually means that something blew up and something blew up. It did. We're talking about one of the most classic club tracks of the 2000s. It's going down by <laughs> Young Jock at <laughs> number four yes. this week. Anthony, tell me what you think about It's Going Down. I wish that I was 21 when this song came out so that I could be in the club waiting for this all night. Like, I used to wait for Jumpman to play in the club when it came out when we were in college. I feel like it was one of those that everyone yeah, wanted definitely. to play, and, like, it was, it it was still amazing. I mean, it still, it still does, but, yeah, I mean... Uh, th- this is just one of those that even you you hear now and you're like you know it's like the bah, bah, nah, 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 and you're like yeah, okay you, you start head bobbing like you know insert um jay-z head bobbing meme or jiff here <laughs> you're like yeah it's it's an amazing song and i don't think it'll ever get old no it's borderline it's a borderline flawless like mid-2000s snap rap song yeah young jock classic he had he had good rap snacks yes i was just gonna say that my favorite flavor of rap snacks i think it was honeydew it was very good also you know what's funny the the featured artist nitty like who the hell is that 
<laughs> I didn't know. Poor Nitty. He what? wasn't even he wasn't even credited on he's the He's a billboard producer. Oh, placement. he's a producer. Okay, but yes. Oh. It's like this Onita beat and it was like boing. That's why like, how it started. It'd be like bah, bah, nah, nah, nah. And you're like, oh, this is lit. But it's a it's a great beat. Yeah. It's a great, great beat. So uh Young Jock just vaulted in the top ten. Twenty spaces. Cool. That, that's a lot. Yeah, it's pretty big. Um, just above it, we have a song that was actually stagnant. Uh, Promiscuous, which we just talked about, is yeah. hanging out at number three. Uh, Nelly Furtado and Timbaland. So at this point, it's still rising, actually. It would go on to peak at number one, but not until after Hips Don't Lie. Did it replace Hips Don't Lie? Probably. I don't know. Okay. It might have. It may have. People were like, loving the the woman power... They, were, they knew the vibes. They knew the vibes. I'm going to look this up, actually. Billboard Hot 100. Stefan, this is a song that you love, I know. Uh, Promiscuous. Promiscuous? It's a, good, it's a classic, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's hard not to love it. It's very uh, sultry. <laughs> hey, guess what? It didn't uh, replace Hips Don't Lie, but it almost did. Oh. There was one song right in between the two. Do I Make You Proud by Taylor Hicks, which what? debuted at number one. <laughs> Uh, because of American Idol, oh, and then no. immediately we, fell. Like, we went on a tangent one episode about American Idol, so yeah, we did. <laughs> no comment, but it, it deserved one week. Oh my god! Oh, it uh, it it left the chart after eight weeks, which is the and it was the first number one in history to fall off the charts in less than ten weeks. I think that about sums that song up. Yep. <laughs> The um so right above promiscuous uh at number two this is the song that was before hips don't lie and also an iconic song of the year uh riding by chameleon air and crazy bone wow just coming down from number one that's a great song great song too i think like when i think of this song i Remember when you used to go laser tagging? Remember when that was a big thing when we went to, like laser <laughs> tagging? Yeah, they would play this in like the laser tag arena. But I think like one of your like we did nicknames at it, and I think like people wanted to be Chameleonaire as their nickname. Like, like for <laughs> some reason, I remember like going to a birthday party and people were like, "I want to be Chameleonaire." So we had like Chameleonaire one, Chameleonaire two, Chameleonaire three. There was like six of us that had oh, Chameleonaire no. as our as our name. <laughs> I, I just remember um I just remember the crazy bone verse was always like very out there. <laughs> yeah. This is a very good song. He says just, like is a... Crazy Bone ain't trying to have no babies. That, that's like one Yeah, of he's the, like the... I'm going crazy like crazy bone ain't trying to have no babies. <laughs> is Crazy like, Bone okay. still alive? I think so. I Okay, I'm thinking of I somebody think else. So I don't mean to claim he died. No, poor crazy bone. He's, he's in Bone Thugs and Harmony. He's he's chilling. As they would say, as they would alive. say, Crazy Bone is very much alive. Yes. Okay. Well, I just went to Crazy Bone's Wikipedia to see if he was alive. He is, and his personal Phew. life is one is two sentences. It says, um, Anthony Henderson, also known as Crazy Bone, comes from a fourth generation family of Jehovah's Witnesses, and as such, does not celebrate Christmas. <laughs> he believes. <laughs> He believes many rappers are unintentionally following the agenda of the Illuminati. Of course. <laughs> we've we've uh we've had quite the top ten. This, oh my god. This week. Yeah, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Yeah. I'll say that. Crazy bone. 
That's funny. Um, yeah, so that's the top ten back then. It's been been quite the week. Um, so from the top, we got uh, well from the bottom to the top. Jesus, I didn't even think that through. Um, we've got uh, "Temperature" by Sean Paul, "Unfaithful" by Rihanna, "Me and You" by Cassie, uh, "SOS" by Rihanna, "Where'd You Go" by Fort Minor, featuring Holly Brooke, also known as Skylar Gray. Uh, Bad Day by Daniel Powder. It's Going Down by Young Jock and Nitty. Uh, Promiscuous by Nelly Furtado and Timbaland. Uh, Riding by Chameleon Air and Crazy Bone. And Hips Don't Lie by Shakira and Wyclef Jean. Quite the top ten. Mm-hmm. 06 was a good year for pop. 05 and 06 say. were the glory years. Yes, definitely. Um, I, I want to apologize. No, Nelly Furtado is from Canada. I thought that she was not from... I thought that <laughs> she was... Um, from somewhere else apparently but she's from canada so even, so yeah there you go i yeah i didn't even know that either i felt so. like from the sound of her music that she was from like latin america or something but she is from canada she she's half portuguese i think okay. she does oh, sing in spanish sometimes you would get that then from it but yeah great top 10 um another Great one. We'll try to get a little bit different one maybe next week. Uh, with we hear a lot of the same names, but you know it's still fun to see where things were on the charts at any given week too. Um, even with rising and falling and everything in between. Well, once again, that wraps it up for another episode of Over My Head: A Look Back at Pop's Past, presented to you by the Los Lovely Boys. That's us. If you want to hear our episodes as they drop, like we said earlier, please subscribe, download, rate us, do whatever you can. Tell a friend and tell them to tell their friend about us. Uh, we'd love to you know, keep doing this as long as we can. Um, if you want to add your input in on this song, want to suggest songs for us to look into, or want to just give feedback, you can email us at LLC at gmail.com. Also, go follow us on social media. We do polls. We post when we're dropping stuff, all that thing in between. And for my co-host, Chris and Stefan, hope we weren't too far in over our heads on this one. We'll see you next time.